The Bible says in Luke chapter number 15, verse number 25, Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. Verse 28. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. And it was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. You may be seated this morning. Last Sunday we saw and we looked at the younger son. And we saw last Sunday morning the departure from the father. The misery without the Father, the repentance toward the Father, the return of the Father, and the rejoicing of the Father. That's what I preached on last Sunday morning. What are you going to bring to the Father? Last Sunday night, uh, I preached a message on what was missing in that story. And I, we saw that there was no parents. Daddy was there, but Mama wasn't. We saw that there was no protest. We saw there was no prophecy, no prediction. We saw that... In, the, in this story, there was no prayer. We saw there was no church and there was no preacher to preach, to warn the younger son. Uh, that, that's what we preached on. But today, I want to throw out three quick things to you. I want you to see the service without joy, the sonship without fellowship, and security without satisfaction. So, you remember the story from last week, how the younger son went to his daddy, the father, and said, I want everything that belongs to me. And the Bible says he wasted it on riotous living. He went out and and we found out more specifically what happened because the elder son just said it. He wasted it on harlots, on prostitutes, on Jezebels, on wickedness. We found out where his money went to. He was trying to be a womanizer. He was trying to please women. He, He was wasting his money. And so we see kind of the specifics of his sin. We saw how, how it was with him. And then we've seen the return and everything. But where was the older son whenever the younger son came home? He was busy in the field. He was doing exactly as his father wanted him to do. He's doing everything his, his father wanted him to do. He was positioned and stationed exactly where the father wanted him And he was doing everything right. The elder son is always doing the right thing. Every time his father would 
tell him to do something, he would do it with a yes sir behind it. I mean, he was very militant. He, he understood that there's a way things ought to be. I relate that to the child of God, that where every time the doors is open, they come in. Every time that there's a meal, they prepare. Every time there's a function, they're involved. There's some great things that we can learn from the elder son. You, 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 can, you can look at some good things, because I'm about to beat him up here in a minute, but you can see some good things from the elder son. He knew where to be. He never went out and laid down in the ditches of the world. He wouldn't wander out in sin. And can I take a moment right here and pause and say at this point, the elder son at this point, because in a minute he, it's, he loses his testimony, but at this point, the elder son has the best testimony that a child of God can have. He has the right attitude. He has the right ambition. And he always is abounding in the work of the Lord. His testimony is that he didn't have to go wreck himself to get a testimony. The best testimony you can ever have is to never wander from God. Uh, we had an evangelist come in on Titus time, Troy Tucker. Some of you were to, able to hear him. You know, you know what his, his testimony is? Praise God, I got saved at the age of five. I don't, even, I don't even know what it's like to find out what the lust of the world looked like. That's his testimony. And if you meet Brother Troy in person, he's very boring. He's a boring individual. He don't, he don't, uh, we have Batman in common. Come on. Well, that's, that's about the only thing we have is common interest. You talk to him and his responses are generic. Praise the Lord. Amen. Very simple. But when he preaches the Word of God, he's a whole other person. whole other person. Yes, he is. Very quiet. I mean, not outspoken. He was homeschooled. He was very, very sheltered. But you know what? He doesn't know what that younger son went through. That's the best testimony to have. But then as we, as we see the story develop, look, look with me. This is all introduction. Look with me in verse number 25. Now his elder son was in the field doing exactly like he was supposed to do. But watch this. This, this, is, where, this is where the things start to shift. There's a, there's a picture that's being uh, painted right here. He's in the field and when he came and drew nigh to the house, he... If you do mark in your Bible, underline, circle, highlight, heard. He heard music and dancing. I don't think I can emphasize enough what's going on here. We can hear music. You, you know if your neighbors are playing music next door. But how do you hear dancing? Because the Bible didn't say he heard music and saw dancing. The Bible said he heard dancing. How do you hear, Miss Barbara, how do you hear dancing? Mr. Harry, how do you hear dancing? Bubba, how do you hear dancing? It sounds a little bit like this. Well, glory! Hallelujah! Woo! That's our Savior! He saved me by His grace! Woo! He heard dancing. And he heard music. And the elder son said, that's not dignified. Why would they, why would the father allow that to happen in his presence? And all of a sudden, his attitude changes. Oh, they're going to rejoice over that? 
my, my, my son went out in the world and he, or my brother went out in the world and, and he, he looks like the world now and he came back home, he walked through the aisles of the church, found himself in an old-fashioned altar and asked for God's good grace to forgive him one more time. And y'all want to shout about it? Meanwhile, I've been here every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, every night of the revival. I've got gold stars by my name because I have a perfect Sunday school attendance. And y'all don't even... Bless God, y'all won't even praise me for, for my loyalty. But you want to shout about a sinner out there looking like the world? His attitude was wrong. His position was correct, but his attitude was wrong. I see that. And it carries on and he gets upset. He acts like he don't understand what's going on. In verse 26, he calls over one of his servants and he says, he asks what these things meant. I know that elder son knew what was going on. He knew they were shouting the victory. He knew they was praising God, the God of heaven for bringing his younger son home. But all he wanted to do was have a gossiping session. I said all he wanted to do was gossip. I said all he wanted to do was backbite and tear down and manipulate and undermine. That, that's what I meant to say. He wanted that. He had no intention of praising the Lord that his brother, for crying out loud, had came home. Verse 27, and he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf. Thee. Thee. Definite article, fatted calf. There ain't but one fatted calf. That's the fatted calf they pull out whenever it's, a, it's something worth pulling out. They, they, they pull out the fatted calf to celebrate the best thing that could even happen. I'm talking about, the, 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 don't you think they would take that fatted calf and they have it stored away and they keep feed, feeding it and feeding it and feeding it, waiting for something to celebrate? I mean, this is it. Everything that they've been waiting on, they, they brought out the fatted calf. And because he hath received him safe and sound, what did this do to the elder son? Verse 28. And he was angry. Why is he angry? Number one, the reason why he's angry is because there was service without joy. You see, his service was legalistic. Now let me tell you what legalism is. Legalism is keeping the law. Legalism is, is in our sense, adding works to grace. Legalism is not standards and convictions. Legalism is always doing the right thing no matter what. No matter what. But then I also see that he has a service. His service is a matter of duty. He does the right thing because he has to, not because he wants to. He has that duty. Anytime that I get the call to duty, I have to step up to something. I know that that has been charged on me to do something. And it's because I have to do it. God is not looking for Christians today that will stand up because of their duty. He's just looking for some willing vessels that want to worship and want to please Him and want to live a life that He would be happy with. He's looking for some people that wants to share the gospel, that wants to share the love of Christ, not because they have to. I see as well that, that in His service without joy, He served without compassion. In verse 28, he was angry 
And he wouldn't go in. He wouldn't even join the worship. This is a man that would be, if he was, to put it in layman's terms, if he were to be a part of a church, he would be there no matter what. But because the filthy, rotten sinner came and got right with God, he wouldn't go in there and be there with him. Amen. I've been in churches like that and it disgusts me. Because we were all filthy, rotten sinners at one point in our life, at least one time. We were all born with a sin nature. And to turn up our nose at somebody that doesn't think like us, look like us, talk like us, God can't use that. God don't want to use that. You're going to miss the blessings of God if that's your attitude. He, he served, but there was no compassion. He did it because He's supposed to. Because that's what Daddy told Him to do. I want you to notice at verse, verse number 29, verse number 29, He boasted of His long service. Verse 29, And answering said to His Father, Lo, these many years do I serve Thee. Uh, he had a long tenure of doing things the right way. He had a long tenure of having his name on the roll, if you will. He was there all the way through it all. He, he was a devoted individual for a long time. He boasted of, of his long tenure, of his long service. I notice as well, he boasted of his self-righteousness. It continues on and says, Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. Not, Daddy, not only have I served you for a long time, but Daddy, let me tell you, I have done everything you have ever told me to do. Now let me take a time out, because I know I'm beating them up really bad right now, but I want to go back to what I said earlier. Serving God for a long time and doing exactly what He says to do is exactly what God wants you to do. You do understand that. But the intent of your heart, it has to be because you want to do it, not because you have to do it. He had the wrong disposition. He had the wrong attitude. He had the wrong motives for even serving His Father. Oh my, if our churches today could get a hold of that idea. I mean, uh, you, you, you really, it's, a, it's, it's such a, a dynamic thing that you try to got, got a balance. I've seen on one side you got people that are unfaithful to church and they're unfaithful to the house of God and, and they go out like the younger son and they'll wander around in sin and they come back and hallelujah, they come home. And then on the other side you've got those people that are always there but they're cold and they're indifferent and they, they have sonship but no fellowship. They sit there like a knot in the log and they don't participate in the service but they're there because they're supposed to be there. God doesn't want that side and God doesn't want that side. He wants somebody in between. He's looking for somebody that just wants to worship the Lord this morning. He's looking for somebody that realizes that they don't have it figured out and every good thing they got is by the good grace of Almighty God. They're just a filthy, rotten, nasty sinner but God has chose to save them, adopt them into the family of God and now they have a new robe of righteousness. Now they're a saint of God positionally in Him and everything that they have is by God's grace and it wasn't just a one-time grace at the point of salvation 
salvation. It's an everyday grace. We can fall daily. We can sin daily. But it's by His good grace that He sustains us. It's by His good grace that He keeps us in that fellowship. God is not looking for the elder son this morning. And God is not looking for the younger, the younger son this morning. He's looking for somebody in between that just wants to show up to the house of God. To be faithful to God. But not only just to endure the service. But to be involved in the service. Not just to endure the preaching. But get excited with the preaching. Not just to endure the song service. But to sing with passion in the song service. God is looking for that kind of people. There is a ditch on both sides of the road. Liberalism, legalism. When you find yourself somewhere in between, you're in God's will. You're exactly where you need to be. And so there's a contrast of the younger son and the elder son. His self-righteousness. Then I see secondly this morning, the sonship without fellowship. He would not have fellowship with his brother. That's his brother. I mean, they're blood. I've lived in the South all my life. You don't cross family. Family sticks with one another. I don't care what they've done. Yeah. But think about this. You out in public somewhere and you meet somebody that's a Christian and say, ain't you a Christian? They said, yeah, I got saved. Let me tell you about it. Well, guess what? There's a reason why you and them connect. Because you both have the same Heavenly Father. Not only did the elder and the younger son have the same heavenly father, they had the same daddy on earth too. I mean, I mean, the elder son knew better than to shun him. But yet he chose to be angry. His self-righteousness gave him a distorted view. It distorted his view of himself and his brother. He thought, the elder son thought he was better than what he was and he thought the younger son was worse than what he was. But they all, they all, they both come by the way of the cross. And he was angry and wouldn't go in. Then in verse 29, I noticed this. He fussed with his father. He argued with his father. He says, And lo, these many years I do serve thee, neither transgressed at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make Mary with my friends. I serve thee, never transgress. I at any time thy commandment. Yet thou never gavest me a kid. And I might make merry with my friends. He's arguing with his daddy. Let me tell you, child of God. You're going to be living in, under some kind of judgment when you start arguing with your daddy. When you start making Christianity all about you, you're going to be in trouble. And there's too many people today that think that they're God's little helper. God don't need me. And He don't need you, but He wants you and He wants me. Are you with me? The best testimony that I can have as a preacher is that when I die, nobody remembers my name. But they remember the God of heaven I preached about. That's the testimony I strive for. What about you, Christian? When you die, is that your testimony that people will remember the God that you served and they won't remember you? It would be a good testimony to shoot for. But I also notice he refused some things. I want you to understand before I move any further that positionally, this man is a son of the Father. We know this. 
He's saved, but he's broken fellowship. He hasn't broke relationship, he's broken fellowship. You with me so far? He refused some things. He, re- he would not join in with the company. And in verse 23, we see he wouldn't even join in on the feasting. And in verse number 25, he wouldn't even join in on the worship. But he's been saved. He's been there the whole time. He's, he's gotten in on the things of God. He's always been there, but now he's angry. And he's turned up his nose, not only against his brother, but against his father. The only thing, I'm going to say this, the worst thing that breaks my heart is seeing somebody that's lost that wants to be lost. It breaks my heart. The second worst thing is somebody that's saved and they've soured while they've been in their salvation. They've settled. They've settled. Yes, ma'am. They've settled. They're not satisfied with being saved. You know what the difference between me and every other fire-breathing Baptist out there is that I'm saved and I ain't mad about it. I'm glad I'm saved. I can't get over it. That's why I get so excited that I get to preach the Word of God and shout the victory every time I come in here. I don't do it to put on a show. I do it because God reigns supreme in my heart. And if you just knew what I once was, then you would know why I shout the victory. You would know why I preach like I do. I don't preach because I was taught to preach this way. I don't shout because I was taught to do it. I do it because the God of heaven has changed me. And I don't want to be like those tired Christians that sit there like a nodding log, like the God of heaven just didn't ransom their soul out of hell. I don't want to be that way. They're cold and they're indifferent. But the Word of God is like a hammer. It'll break and bust open that cold heart. It'll break down that hard heart. Yes, it will. And this elder son... This elder son here, he's got a hardened heart. I remember, I don't mind saying it, I remember visiting my my wife's church many years ago. She grew up in an old-fashioned Southern Baptist church. Dr. Brian Ezel became her pastor. Dr. Ezel believed in this thing called soul winning. Church wasn't used to that. When you go soul winning, guess who you're going to bring in the church? People that don't wear suits and ties. People that don't look like me and you. And I know I make jokes here and there to kind of knock the edge off the preaching. But I'm serious when I say this. There was a man that came in there and it breaks my heart to this day. The holes that were in his ear from the gauges that he used to wear. Tattooed from his fingertip all the way up to his chin. Try to cover it up. Cut his hair. Try to, try to fit in. Try to look like the elder son. Try to look like the elder son. But deep down, he was still that younger son. And I remember Dr. Ezel getting up there, and he was just old redneck, kind of like me. And that man, about his, about his third weekend, he just says, Preacher, I can't stand it no more. i got to say something. And he took over that service as he testified for the good grace of God for about half an hour. And it got so good and people that ain't used to shouting, they just looked at him like, what in the world? Pastor Ezo got in trouble for not shutting it down. 
The next day, Pastor Ezo gets up and preaches a message much similar to this one. Oh, if God's people can get over their religiousness and just be reminded that we all come from the same tracks as that man did. Because that man said that he thought he was the lowest down that he could ever be. He was one of the biggest dope dealers in Rutherford County. He said if the God of heaven can save him, he'll save anybody. He thought that he hated God, he talked to God, and he talked to the devil. And he told us all about him talking to the devil. And how, how the devil told him that God would never take him. He just needed to keep on slinging that dope. He needed to keep on shoving that needle in his face. And, and he remembered that. But then, oh, good old country boy, Dr. Ezo. Hey, how you doing? I'm, 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 I'm Brian Ezo. I'm up the road here, man. I just had no idea he's at the dope dealer's house. He said, look, man, we, we have a church, man. It's getting on up there. I'm, I'm new in town. And I just want to tell you, man, Jesus loves you. They got in an argument, went back and forth. An hour and a half later, that man got John 3, 3 born again. Uh, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that whenever that man came down to get baptized, people had their gossip sessions. How dare the pastor bring that in here? And when that man wanted to worship, oh, we can't have that. It's too loud. Amen. We're too dignified. We, we, we can't have that. I'm going to tell you right now, the second worst place you can be in is to have the sonship without the fellowship. But lastly, I see the security without satisfaction. I see He was a son there, and there's no question about that. There's no question. He calls Him son. Look, look, look at verse number 31. And He said unto him, comma, son, comma. There's, there's no question that He belongs to the Father. There's no question there. We can all agree on that. I see He was secure as well. Where He says, Son, Thou art ever with Me. He's, he's secure. He's saved. He's secure. He's not going to lose His relationship with the Father. He sees that. But then I see this as well. Because of the totality of circumstances, it's a new phrase I learned this week. Totality of circumstances, this, son, this was a son, yet he was living below his privileges. God did not save us to sideline us, friend. I believe that in our modern day Christianity, we, we got this mindset that, well, baptisms, baptisms. Every year, uh, we, we, I'm sure we do it too, we'll give an annual report uh, to the Southern Baptist Convention. We'll go through our association, give it to the Southern Baptist Convention. What number are they looking for? They're looking for this, this, this letter. It starts with a B. Baptisms. They're looking for how many baptisms do we have? Why? Because that's all that matters to them. And it should matter to them. And I thank God that baptisms matter to them. Amen goes right there. But I'm afraid that so many people have gotten to that emphasis, that priority, that they have the baptism and the evangelism, but there's no discipleship. They get them saved and they just cut them loose. But we can write a number down and send it off so, 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 so the SBC can just lift up our hands at the convention and say, look at what this church did. Our priorities have shifted. And I'm glad that people are getting saved. And I'm glad people are getting baptized. But there's growth. And there's joy for the journey. You have now started a journey. You didn't stop right there when you got up from the sinner's prayer. That's whenever you got started on this journey. Amen. And I believe that that 
elder son's perception was, I'm saved. I've got my hellfire insurance. I'm golden. Let me just kick back for a while. That ain't what God wanted. God wants you to be saved. But He's already started that relationship. So whenever we, when I take my last breath on this side of eternity, I will take my first breath on the far side. And guess what didn't change? My relationship with God Almighty. The reason why I shout and praise here is because I'm going to shout and praise there. The reason why I serve here is because I'm going to serve there. The reason why I fellowship here is because I'm going to fellowship over there. This is just a warm-up, if you will, before we go and have glory to live for. God saved you and set you apart, not so you can just wallow in your sin, not so you can feel complacent, but so that you'll know that the God of heaven loves you every day. He longs for fellowship every day. He didn't save you to sideline you. I noticed as well, lastly, my last little sub point, and I'm closing. He was a member of the family, yet he was living like a stranger. I've got members of my family. Some of them, uh, that you, you know, you might say, preacher, are they the black sheep? I think just about everybody, including me, is the black sheep in my family. But there's, there's one particular member of my family that went away from murder a few years ago. It was a horror. I mean, she, she murdered her mama, which is my aunt. It was a bad deal. Bad deal. But we'll reach out to her. Let her know we're praying for her. Let her know that she ain't a stranger. Let her know that there's still hope for her. The problem I've seen with church folk, myself included, is that we'll get to a position in our salvation that we think we got it all settled and it's all figured out. We don't need nobody no more. We got this thing. We can run the show. You can be a stranger to Almighty God and be saved. Don't, don't believe me? Check your Bible. Look at the elder son. He belonged to the father. It was a stranger. Don't you think the father loved the elder son just as much as he did the younger? Because in verse 29, what does it say? He said that he was angry. And then it goes on and lets him know that he wouldn't even go in. So the father came in and entreated him. Come here, son. I love you anyways. I know you might tell me about it. The same daddy that chased down that younger son was the same daddy that chased down that elder son. The same daddy that ran out to that younger son was the same daddy that ran out to that older son. It don't matter which side of the spectrum you're on, God will chase you down because He loves you. And He wants the best for you. Whether you're wallowing in sin or you're a Pharisee and your heart's hardened. He'll chase you down. He'll have to do some, some heartbreaking. I like what that, what that preacher said at Titus time. He didn't preach hard. He, he wasn't a loud preacher, but he said something to me that just struck me to my core. And I think I got teared out over it last week. But he, he went on to say, no, he went on to say how he, he made a profession of faith when he's five, but it wasn't until he got older, God started dealing with him and, and showed him how rotten he was and how good God is and how much God loved him. And he got, he got broken, I got broken. He said, that's when he got saved. He says, he says, people's he went on to say something like this. People's hearts are so hardened, it's going to take something drastic. Drastic. 
God doesn't want to take something drastic to break your heart. He don't. God wants you to soften it on your own. I don't know what you're dealing with. Maybe this whole message is applicable to you. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's somewhere in between. But there are some things in your life that you realize, hey, I've got my heart hardened and I need God to soften it. He'll do it if you let Him. There are some things in your life where you're serving and you're saved and you're secure, but you're not satisfied. You feel like you're missing something. Can I tell you what that is, friend? It's the fellowship, the closeness of Almighty God in your life. Whether you pray there, wherever you are at this old-fashioned altar, it doesn't matter to me. I just ask that you mind the Lord. I'm going to pray. Sister Barbara, Sister Polly, if you come, and we'll have an hymn of invitation.